Welcome to episode 17 of the Midlife Worthy Moms podcast for the Graceful Empty Nester. Who out there doesn't love to be right? On today's episode, we are going to be talking about our instinctive brain and how it loves to be right. Being right fills our brains with the feel-good hormones, even when being right means that we've proved our negative emotions to be correct. Are you a mom who's been taken by surprise and finds herself struggling with her adult child? Well, it's time to grab a pen and notebook because I'm about to share some insider information that will help you navigate through this challenging phase. I'm Kim Damon, a mom, a life coach, and an Enneagram coach. I specialize in helping moms of adults in rediscovering the connection with their adult kids. Just imagine mom stepping into a state of drama remission with your adult children. Together we'll build a life grounded in grace and the peace that comes from truly knowing who you are as a midlife woman and a mom. Make sure you visit my website, the link is provided in the show notes, and grab your free course, Thriving in a Divided Family. It's packed with valuable insights. There's some part of us that feels validated when we're right. Our brains get flooded with hormones like adrenaline and dopamine. When we say things like, I knew it, and I knew it wouldn't work, or see, I told you so, or even the simple, I was right. We don't even need to say this out loud. Just saying this in our mind makes us feel good. We want to replicate those feel-good sensations, so we look for evidence that we are right, even in our negative thinking. We become addicted to being right, no matter how it ultimately causes us more problems. You get an even bigger dopamine hit to your brain when you argue and win. Let's explore how this works. So let's just say we don't trust someone. We have a feeling about the person. Maybe we just don't care for their actions or we don't care for what they're doing. Or maybe we just don't even care for them. Instead of letting actual facts determine how we feel about them, we decide to go with our gut feeling. And so what does this mean? This means that our brain, addicted to being right because that feels amazing, will start looking for evidence that there's actually a good reason not to trust or like this person. Every time we find more evidence, our brain celebrates. I know this all too well. I mean, this is exactly what I did to my son-in-law. My brain offered me all kinds of judgments about him. I began to look for evidence that it was true, and of course, I found it. I found plenty of it. If we look for evidence that someone's not a good person, we're going to find it. We are all perfectly imperfect. When someone looks for evidence that we somehow are flawed, they're going to find it. We all have unflattering personality traits that come out, especially when we're around someone and we're pretty sure that this person is judging every move that we make 
or every word that we say. The evidence begins to pile up. We start keeping track of everything that has gone wrong with this person. And now we are miserable because we have a list in our brains about this person that we now can't stand to be around. Or we feel somehow this negative emotion every time we're around them. Or we feel hurt every time we're around them. After doing this for a while with my son-in-law, it actually started to drive a wedge, even a bigger wedge, between myself and my daughter. How do we stop this from happening? Well, like all other behaviors that we all have, we first have to notice that we're even doing this. We have to notice that we've been looking for evidence of things going wrong. So I thought, okay, I have found all this evidence as to why I don't like this kid. Now I'm purposely going to search for evidence that I can like him. In fact, I decided that it would be even better if I took it a step further and I looked for reasons I could love him. When we begin to tell ourselves that we can look for qualities and behaviors that we love about a person, something extraordinary actually happens. We get the same dopamine hit proving that our positive emotions are right as much as we get proving our negative emotions are right. Yeah, it's true. This brain, the same brain is right again. And it's looking for evidence that we can love this person. In fact, it took less time for me to find reasons I loved my son-in-law than it did for, for him to actually relax around me. Most of us know when someone doesn't like us very much, maybe they ask a lot of questions, maybe they don't respond to what we say, maybe it's that sideways glance. It, it would be naive for me to think that my son-in-law would actually trust me because I changed my behavior. No, it, it took a little time. I began to notice what a great father he is. I began to notice all the ways that he was present in his marriage and what he had to say about my daughter and the kind words that he said about her. I began to notice how hard he worked. I began to notice what his passions were and how committed he was to them. I began to create this list of all the reasons why he was a good person and that I could actually love him and it became longer than the actual list of the things that I didn't like about him. Now let's talk about when this happens with our own children. Well, we already love them. And so we're willing to be around them. And we're willing to put our negative emotions aside. But we can still fall into the trap of looking for evidence that we're right and they are wrong. It can start over a simple disagreement or even a different opinion or outlook on life. If we're not aware of our own behavior, we can start looking for that evidence that they are wrong. This can be perceived by them as not trusting them, not valuing their opinion, not loving them for who they are or what they stand for. 
it can create a deep wound in the relationship that does take time to heal. And likewise, our children are human as well. Now, I know some of you might want to argue this point with me, but really they are just as human and just as flawed as we are. They look for evidence as well. One of you has to take that first step outside of that circle of looking for evidence and making each other wrong in order for the relationship to actually heal and reconnect again. You can be the one to do this. It doesn't necessarily have to be them. So how should you respond when someone is looking for evidence that you are unworthy or wrong or untrustworthy or opinionated? Well, we get to be very curious and ask the questions when verbal cues are made. In a non-confrontational tone, we get to ask, tell me what you mean. Or we can say, that's interesting. Tell me more about why you feel that way. Or another way is just say, I'd love for you to give me some examples or maybe point it out the next time. Then you get to decide if you want to own any part of it. You can simply acknowledge them by saying that's an interesting way of thinking about it. Some of you might wonder why I actually put the responsibility on myself to change my behavior? Well, it's a very simple answer. Because I'm the one that felt terrible about the relationship that I had with my kids. Now, if you don't have the opportunity to do this kind of work with your kids or with your in-laws, there's another place that we tend to look for those negative things and to be right. And that's with ourselves. Sometimes we have this list, this mental list of all the things that we've done wrong. And yet we don't have that equally long list of the things that we've done right. Sometimes when we're struggling or we're feeling extremely vulnerable, we tend to look for those things and the evidence that things are going wrong with us. And of course, again, we like to be right. So we're going to find all of our flaws. We're going to point them out to ourselves. We're going to say to ourselves, see, you did it again. Or why did you say that? Or why did you do that? We're going to be extremely judgmental against our own actions. So here's a great opportunity for you to practice this on yourself. Look at yourself and decide, I'm going to find all these things that are good about me, that are wonderful about me. I'm going to make a list of a hundred reasons why I'm a great person, what people love about me, the personality part of me that people are attracted to. Now you might get to about 75 and start to stumble a little bit, but I encourage you to keep going even the smallest things that you love about yourself, those little things that you find charming. Maybe you're a fun person. Maybe you're good at things. Write them down. Spend a little time with that so that when your brain starts to offer up that you're not a good person or starts to support those negative emotions by telling you that you shouldn't have done something or you should have said something or 
you did something wrong, you can counteract those negative emotions with your list of a hundred reasons why you love yourself. So finding evidence that things are going well feels so much better, friends. It helps us focus in on the positive things that are going on in a difficult time. If you commit to this, you will get the same enjoyment from it. If you're enjoying this podcast and finding value in our discussions, I'd love to hear from you. Take a moment to leave a review on the podcast platform of your choice. Your feedback is incredibly valuable and it helps other worthy moms just like us discover this podcast. Additionally, if you know another mom that could benefit from our conversations, please share this podcast with her. Together we can create a supportive community of worthy moms. Join me next week for another empowering episode on the Midlife Worthy Moms podcast.